It was my birthday a few weeks ago. I turned 29, and like a lot of birthdays these days, mine was more subdued. No big party, no going out to a fancy dinner. But I got an unusual birthday message. Uh, I hear you're uh, one of the best tech reporters in the world. Uh, that's pretty amazing and my pleasure to you. So take care, man, and God bless you. That was Oakland A's outfielder Ramon Laureano, a real-life Major League Baseball player wishing me a happy birthday. The nine-year-old in me would have been awestruck, and the 29-year-old in me was pretty stoked too. A few colleagues of mine had chipped in to pay about 30 bucks to get Laureano to wish me a happy birthday. It was a great surprise. Thank you, team information. This all happened through an app called Cameo, which is having a bit of a moment right now. And today on the Information 411, I'm talking to the CEO of Cameo, Stephen Galanis. My name is Corey Weinberg, by the way, and I'm a reporter at the Information. Cameo's growth has fascinated me. Scrolling through these videos on its app is kind of absurd. It's famous and semi-famous or barely famous people sending video messages to fans. There's Snoop Dogg, there's Anthony Scaramucci, lots of influencers, some of which I've heard of, some of which I haven't. The videos are often kind of poorly made or not professionally done at all. Cameo kind of seems like the sort of unexpected success story that Silicon Valley is known for. And Galanis, the CEO, told me that revenue has grown 600% over the past year. So I think it's worth taking stock of Cameo in this moment. As you'll hear Galanis discuss, this looks like it's become another golden age of consumer apps. There's TikTok, Discord, Robinhood, all growing immensely this year, their valuation soaring. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Cameo is also part of that conversation. Stephen Galanis, CEO of Cameo, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Historically, in your life, what's been your relationship with celebrity? Um, are you the kind of person who, who's always kind of sought out famous people to take pictures with or get autographs from? Yeah, my uh, my nickname since high, literally since kindergarten has been the mayor. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm somebody that's like always sought out celebrities, but I've always been one of those like ultra connectors. I was an athlete. I I also have done movie production as well. So in many ways, like I've straddled the worlds of sports and entertainment for uh, most of my life. But I've I've somebody that. I'm never the person that's like going to go take a picture with somebody or get them to sign something. But if you go to my condo in Chicago, I have a lot of like cool pieces of memorabilia and, and I'm an avid collector of like autographs or paraphernalia and stuff like that. But I was never the one that was like going up to people and like asking them to take a picture with me. So you're a sports guy. You know, I feel like that's how a lot of people uh, sort of experience celebrity um, in, in some way. And that sort of your interest in sports I was reading sort of helped drive the idea for Cameo initially, right? What's the origin story? Uh, my co-founder Martin was an athlete at USC. He ran track and we actually had the idea for Cameo leaving my grandmother's funeral of all places. Martin pulled out his, his phone and he showed me a video that he'd gotten made for one of his good buddies from, uh, from, 
from Nike, who was very high up in their consumer marketing department. This guy had just had um, his first child, and he was a big Seattle Seahawks fan. And Martin got a player on the Seattle Seahawks to congratulate him on becoming a father. And this guy thought it was so cool. He put it on Instagram. He said it was the best gift he'd ever gotten. And, you know, I saw that video. I had the eureka moment, and the idea for Cameo was born. And walk me through how you built up the supply side of the marketplace. You know, that is, you know, uh, I think the reason why you Cameo has generated a lot of interest among the Silicon Valley set is that it is rare that uh, an app is able to kind of generate both consumer demand as well as sort of supplier saturation to some degree. Talk, walk me through the early days and, and even to now, you know, how do you convince celebrities to participate, um, you know, in Cameo? Well, in the early days, we had, uh, we had a marketplace for fans, but we had no fans. And we had a marketplace where celebrities could make videos for fans and there were no celebrities on it. So we started first with going to anybody that would say yes. So we tapped into our networks from Duke, from USC. Um, from people we'd, again, met over the years, got some of our friends to sign up. Uh, but frankly, we launched the business with a bunch of people that uh, nobody would ever launch a business with. We had very high conviction in our marketplace that supply could beget demand. So unlike Uber or Airbnb, our supply is famous, has followers, have Twitter, have Instagram, and have a way to, to basically let their followers know that they're marketing this plat- this service and they could turn their followers into our customers for free. So that was a really powerful flywheel of growth for us. So as we acquired talent, we would get we would allow them to have their own site. Cameo.com slash Corey might have been your, your page. Uh, you would have tweeted that out to your followers. Your followers okay. turned into our customers for free. And the network effect has compounded over four years and 40,000 talent now on the platform and over 1.2 million Cameos sold. Just this week, there was a cameo that went hyper viral uh, that Carol Baskin from yeah, the Tiger King made. And we are here with the crypt mates to wish Charlotte a happy birthday. And she was singing uh, a 50 Cent song to it with her husband and they were drinking Bacardi in the video. Bacardi, like it's your birthday. And you know, that's one of the really fun things about Cameo is that the best ones are enjoyable, not just for the recipient or the purchaser, but for anybody that watches them. And there seems to be a lot of divisive people on the platform as well. Like you have Roger Stone. I think you, you had Rod Blagojevich. Um, you know, I obviously division sells. You know, we know that about media. Conflict sells. Um, you know, and, and these videos seem to be quite popular. How, what do you think it is about sort of these divisive characters that are particularly popular on the platform? I don't think that there's a, a high number of divisive people on Cameo. There's just, frankly, a lot of people on Cameo, right? There's a lot of divisive people on Twitter as well, right? But we have 40,000 talent. Some of them, you know, happen to be uh, controversial to, to some people. Um, we believe Cameo is a place where anyone with fans should be. We have three rules on the platform, no violence, no nudity, and no hate speech, um, no inciting violence, rather. And as long as you don't do those things on our platform, like we are fine with you being on our platform. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting to see how certain people 
um, you know, have, have even like transformed. Like I saw uh, Rod Blagojevich, who is the former governor of, of Illinois, who ended up in jail, like giving some guy advice on like going to prison, right? And it's like, it's kind of interesting to see the second acts that a lot of these people, you know, have had on the platform. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, how much uh, is the, is Cameo a kind of managed marketplace versus a completely open marketplace um, on the supply side? You know, how much are you going out there and convincing certain celebrities, you know, through business development relationships, you know, to, to get on Cameo and, and here's the pitch uh, versus it happening organically? About 50% of the talent today are recruited by um, people that work for us. About 20% of the talent uh, are referred by talent that's on Cameo. So we have a talent-to-talent referral system. So very famously, Ice-T showed Snoop Dogg Cameo. Snoop thought it was awesome. He he saw how much money Ice-T was making and was having fun making Cameos within Ice-T's Cameos, and that's how we got Snoop Dogg on the platform. And then about 30% today, and, and that's an increasing number, um, just download the app and we've never met them. We don't know who they are. So you're seeing that percentage continue to rise um, as the marketplace is growing and, and becoming you know, more popular, especially on the town side. So what are the growth, the, the kind of growth stage challenges that are keeping you up at night? Like what's breaking? Like what's the hair on fire issues that you're probably freaking out that you're not paying attention to while you're doing this this interview? Well, there's always a couple of things. I think it starts with hiring. Um, I was at LinkedIn prior to starting Cameo and Jeff Wiener at every single All Hands used to always say that talent is our number one priority. The other thing that's just kind of interesting is we're creating a new category. There's not very many businesses in the world that look like ours. Um, this isn't running a B2B SaaS company where you can just go plug in you know, the VP of sales at one and, and basically it's rinse and repeat, same business model. You know, we've uh, we've created a, a new marketplace with new dynamics that doesn't look like many other things out there. So, you know, finding people from the outside to bring them into the core um, is always kind of a challenge because, you know, you can hire for, for experience, but it's almost more important that you're hiring for, you know, aptitude and ability to kind of grow with the company. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit more broadly about sort of the consumer tech space. You know, uh, over the last several years, I mean, I particularly, I feel like this complaint peaked maybe a couple of years ago, but you would hear a lot of frustration about the death of kind of hot consumer startups and that, you know, all the opportunity had agglomerated towards big tech and, you know, Facebook and YouTube, et cetera. I mean, now you have obviously TikTok as sort of the consumer tech story of the year, um, you know, I think you guys are certainly in in that conversation as well. But do you see more interesting consumer startups, uh, particularly that, you know, sort of are in this uh, sort of social entertainment realm? You know, are are, are you watching anything, uh, any particular companies that, that you find interesting? I think it's absolutely a new golden age of consumer. Um, I know now I'm seeing a lot of things probably as early as anybody is, is young founders are reaching out to me um, in the consumer space or anything, you know, touching influencers or celebrities or sports. Like I'm, I'm a pretty early call at this point. Um, 
I think what Clubhouse is doing is really exciting. There's a lot of things going on in audio generally um, that are interesting. TikTok is a perfect example. I mean, when we, I remember when I saw Musical.ly for the first time, it felt like, wow, this is so Gen Z, like nobody will ever be able to use it. And now you're seeing yeah. like A-Rod and J-Lo and like mainstream celebrities making TikToks every day. Um, you know, I think podcasts have been something that have just continued to 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 blow up and networks around that are, are interesting. I think you're seeing um, you know, a lot of lot of tools that are actually enterprise tools that feel like consumer tools um getting created and and as people are you you know, as Zoom now has like three hundred million monthly active users up from like ten million right before COVID. Uh, a lot of interesting applications are being built on top of those. Um, I think synchronous video is certainly having a moment. When you go on Instagram and you look at how many people are going live today, it's crazy compared to what was happening maybe before COVID. So I think, I don't know, like I've been running Cameo for four years. I've been consuming consumer products for my whole life. And I, I feel like the stuff that's going on right now is as interesting um, as it's ever been. And when I look at things like Facebook, it seems like a dead shell. I don't use Facebook except to get a notification of what I did, you know, seven years ago and where I was or, or whose birthday it was. Um, and even Instagram for, you know, for the beginning of, I think, of how much hours I was probably spending on Instagram pre-COVID versus post. Like, I've never used Instagram less since I got into it. Uh, nobody has sent me a Snapchat in probably five or six months like I was literally looking at that and talking to a snap engineer that we just brought over and um, you know it had been like 30 weeks since somebody had sent me a snapchat so it just feels like a lot of these monoliths um, you know at least for like my demographic people are like trying new things right now and and it's a really interesting time for a consumer it's almost counterintuitive in a way considering one of the other dominant themes in tech right now, at least that journalists pay attention to, is sort of the antitrust debate um, and, you know, has the size of big tech companies uh, sort of squelched innovation uh, among consumer startups and others. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit, though, about Apple. I've se- I had seen you quoted before, you know, kind of uh, sort of lamenting the cut that the App Store um, takes. Uh, I think you had avoided trend. Do you still avoid, tr- you know, sort of making transactions through iOS? We actually didn't even sell cameos in the iOS app for pretty much all of last year because they uh, decided after one year that cameo needed to use an app purchase and pay the 30%. By Apple's own admissions, the companies that need to use in app purchases are those that sell a digital good. So that a digital good is a good that cannot be consumed outside of the app. So imagine coins in a game or filters in an app or or lives or something like that. Cameos are made outside the app. They are used outside of the app. So you can go and put a cameo on Instagram. You can put in a cameo on Twitter. You can put it on your TV. So literally like our our tools should be, you know, our product should be treated just like fiber, just like others that don't have to be subjected to that tax. But, you know, when you get to be the judge, jury, or executioner, like Apple does, you can do monopolistic things. And I think somebody's going to get them eventually. Um, it's it's amazing the ecosystem that they built. But, 
you know, it's completely unreasonable that they should be making more from cameos than cameo makes from cameo. And um, I think that chorus is just getting louder and louder, as you saw what happened with Hey.com and, and some of the other practices. And, um, you know, Apple at some point, you know, I think they're, like, the government's going to have to take a look at what they're doing. You guys describe yourselves, I think, as a uh, remote first company. Your, your, your main offices have been in Chicago and Venice, but basically you're, you're taking the plunge to, to you, it can be remote first, essentially. Is that right? Cameo is a distributed company. If there was a vaccine to the coronavirus tomorrow, we will not be going back to offices. Um, we have always had a distributed DNA. I founded the company distributed from my co-founders and our first employee was in New York when they were in LA and I was in Chicago. So we have always developed uh, core competency around Zoom and uh, asynchronous conversation. I think that talent is evenly distributed around the world and opportunity is not. So the fact that we are now able to recruit in markets that aren't just Chicago or LA, our traditional hubs, you know, we're able to give the cameo the opportunity to work at Cameo to people all over the place. And we've been able to get some great talent there. And, um, you know, we'll stay distributed. Our team has been loving it. And unless uh, a day comes where we feel that we're at our competitive disadvantage, um, you know, not having offices or not being able to build culture and not being able to onboard anyone. But, you know, all the signs that we're seeing, it's fit really well with our team and uh, we intend to stick with it um, indefinitely. So we're really excited to, to you know, start this new chapter in Cameo. Steven, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Corey. That's our show. If you have feedback about today's episode or thoughts about Cameo, you can email me at corey at theinformation.com. Thanks to Ariel Markovitz, who produces the 411. Talk to you all next week. <laughs>